Hey everybody, John here. This is another episode of the March Mad Men podcast. In this one, we're concluding one long and crazy night with a final two competitors going at it. Hope you enjoy the show. So moving on, our last matchup of the evening. We're coming down the home stretch, guys. It's the climax of our pod. And I am opening another Mind Haze, which is, the, of course, the Firestone IPA. The official beer of the March Madness podcast. I just warn you that after midnight, I start drinking whiskey, and then my reviews are going to go downhill. Yeah. <laughs> well, we only yeah. have two more movies. <laughs> House is going to get fucked up, guys. It's going to get real weird. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah, it, it should be. <laughs> I'm sitting here with a bottle of scotch, so we'll see what happens. Well, I watched the heavyweight contender in this matchup, The Orphanage, which is our number 13 seed. I watched it this morning. So it's extremely fresh in my mind. And I was struck watching it how little I actually remembered of seeing it in the theater all of these years ago. It's a 2007 film by the Spanish, directed by Spanish filmmaker J.A. Bayona. It's executive produced at least by our good friend Guillermo del Toro, the only American or European actor that people would probably be familiar with would be Geraldine Chaplin playing the psychic role, which is kind of perfect for her. This movie won seven Goya Awards, which is sort of the Oscars of Spain, and it got a lot of publicity, I remember, and good reviews as an international genre film at the time. It was probably a modest success, financially speaking, but it definitely made an impact. It was a, it was a noted film at the time. Let's get into the grading here. For me, overall quality, like most of the movies, if not every movie that we've talked about tonight, actually, I gave Under the Shadow an A. This is a B for me. The other common theme, though, is ending. And we'll definitely get into that. But I was angered and confused by the ending in a pretty much exactly the same way as I was with Ouija where you're trying to do everything with the ending. But actually, this movie lands on the opposite side of the spectrum, where instead of you know going as a cheap and nice and easy ending on one side, this movie undermines everything that has come before by giving you a very strongly emotional ending, on the other side of the spectrum, but neither one really does a credit to all of the plot turns that has come before it. And that's, that's going to be my big problem with it moving forward. But yeah, I, I like the movie. So we'll leave it at that for now. Vic, what's your overall quality on the orphanage or I'm no. sorry, El Orfano. Guys, I hope all of our listeners have their, uh, have their drinks queued up because John, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, I have seen it three times. I have cried all three times for wildly different reasons over different uh, portions of my life. I find it to be maybe the perfect combination of exceptionally dramatic, character-driven. The acting is wonderful. I find it terrifying in scenes. I find it tense throughout. So that it's punctuated with those the the supernatural scares, and I think the ending is really effective. I love this movie. I give it an A for overall quality. Woo-wee. I totally butchered that pronunciation. It's El Orfanato, which oh, is man. probably not good either. 
We're going to get so much shit from Spain now, John. <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> All right, Rich. As much as it pains me to say it, I agree with both of you. Uh, I have seen this movie before. I have seen it at Halloween. And I have seen it, uh, I have definitely seen it another time where I think Vic tried to show it to me. And I just like wasn't paying that much attention to it. So I was sort of familiar with like the first act of it, I'd say, but I definitely didn't remember the rest of it. Um, this time I sat down, I got to watch it by myself. It's actually the first movie I got to watch on my own in my new home, which was great. I turned off all the lights and I opened the windows and really just kind of got to sit there and, and absorb it. And I would say I love this movie. I wasn't expecting much of it, but like I would say that in terms of this list, I would almost go as far to say that, like I would put this in the top five um, of the movies that we've been talking about for this subgenre. It is full of some cliches, but I do think that it is so well directed and scripted and acted. The movie is scary as hell. Some of the 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 gore and effects in it are shocking. Yeah, uh, it kind of has everything I want out of a horror movie. That said, the very ending of the movie, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of have to side with John. It was a, it felt a little overly sweetened to me, um, in a way that I'm sorry, Vic, I didn't feel super emotional about. Now there are a lot of elements of this movie that did make me feel very emotional, and I thought that. That it tapped into some very real human experiences, some that are like near and dear to me that like that I found really effective. So like I liked all of it, and I didn't necessarily hate the story of the ending. It's just like I felt that it wasn't necessarily the ending that this movie deserved, um, and it, it it did feel really very Del Toro esque. I will give it that. You know the fact that at the end it sort of like plays to the heartstrings more than the horror, um, even after you've witnessed some pretty heinous shit, is kind of a hallmark of his. And it didn't work especially well, but it, it didn't really take away from the overall effect for me. I love this movie. I gave it an A-. It's a, it's, a fa- it's a fairy tale ending, which I think is something that comes up when you talk about Del Toro over and over again. It is, but it's a fairy tale ending on a horror movie. It's not the devil. Like, the devil's backbone was a you know, was a fairy tale with horror elements. This is a horror movie that turns into a fairy tale at the very end. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Rich, you, you hit the fucking nail on the head there, man. That's my biggest problem with it is that, I mean, right down to the choice of music at the end, it's saying, leave the theater feeling this way which is a, a sort of, you know, warm, bittersweet, yeah, there's some sorrow, but it's, it's, it's telling you the movie in, in the tendentious way that music and editing and narrative try to tell you how to feel, plugging certain buttons and pulling heartstrings, it's saying you should be uplifted but that undercuts the fucking sledgehammer that occurred 10 minutes earlier in the movie. And if you take one second to stop and look at what happened to these characters in the course of this film, that is not the conclusion that we should be drawing. 
It should be, oh my God, this is, this is tragic. This is so sad. But no, I felt like it's like a, well, we want this movie to be an art house hit where it's poignant and, you know, you walk out with sort of a, again, bittersweet kind of a feeling. And that just fucking nauseates me because that is not the movie that came before this. And it just undermines everything. I, I, it doesn't work for me. I really fucking hate it. And, and this movie was really weird to watch again um, today because, again, like I said, I didn't really remember it that well. But along the way, the first act or so, I'm like, oh, this is when's something going to happen, like as with many of these Haunted House movies. And then I'm like, wow, I am so into this. This is moving up. I am on board with this movie. This is, yeah, compared to Devil's Backbone, this is a horror movie. And then there's like this late revelation and turn and it just guts you. And it's so powerful. And then the rest of the movie says, we're running away from that at full speed. And we're going <laughs> to, you know, we're going to leave you in a warm and happy place. And I just, oh, that, I remember now I'm like, now I get why I didn't love this movie. Why I don't really remember it is that after that ending, I walked out of the theater at the time and I said, ugh. That, you know, that's not, that doesn't work for me. And I promptly forgot everything that was really fucking cool about this movie. And I think it's a shame. Much to discuss here, but overall, I I promise you, there's nothing that you guys love about this movie that I don't love too. It's just the things, the knockout effect of certain flaws that I can't get my, wrap my head around. I'm giving it an A for originality. Uh, as much as there are, are a lot of familiar elements here, I, I think that the construction of this story does not use a lot of the sort of typical haunted house shtick. I was really pleased that like they don't drive anyone away from living there. Like there's no like long documented phenomena um, that, that the husband can't live with anymore. So that's why he bails. Um, the whole thing is constructed and in and, and a lot of details and flourishes in a really cool way. And the whole sort of game that is played, the ghosts play sort of a trail of clues game that is very, very cool. And I was really into it. And the imagery is striking. So, yeah, we'll get into all of that. But I, I confidently give it, give it an A, despite like some traditional elements. My originality, I gave it a B plus. The image of the kid with the bag on his head is really scary, uh, but I've seen it before, and a lot of the horror hinges on that. From an originality standpoint, it didn't shake my world up in the way that some other horror films have. Vic, have you ever seen a movie called Friday the 13th Part 2? Doesn't ring any bells. <laughs> there's a there's a borderline mumblecore movie called Baghead. Yeah, you know it's a fairly sort of common thing. It's common because it's effective, and again, it's really scary. This is a B plus. I that's a that's a solid grade. I actually went B minus in this category. It's just a slightly different take on like on the same thing you guys you stuff you guys are saying. It's like it's a mom haunted by a missing kid. There's ghosts wearing sacks on their head their heads. 
there's buses, there's orphanages. Like none of this stuff is exactly fresh, especially mm-hmm. for like Gilmore del Toro. Ultimately, the, the storytelling and like the path that the movie takes to like unraveling the mystery like do feel unexpected. So it's it's a it's a mixed bag. Originality, I would not say, is this movie's strength. This movie's strength is execution. And I definitely took off points, I'm sorry, for every time there was some backstory exposition needed and suddenly we had 8mm footage of all of the children in their youth with their various like flaws highlighted. Um, that shit does, like, does not fly with me. Like, it'd be one thing if you want to present it in like a narrative format and like and shoot it like the rest of the movie but to like present it as though i'm looking at archival footage that someone took doesn't make any goddamn sense no it does that, that footage was recovered the woman actually shot that footage rich don't you have eight millimeter footage of your whole childhood <laughs> no no no. i mean that's what they found that was the mother's footage and she was actually watching it fine i'll reassess like if and when we, we rewatch it i just like maybe it was too stagey it felt like bad filmmaking to me, like that, and, and and that was and that was a rare instance of bad filmmaking. There's a couple of like clunky exposition chunks in this movie where it's like, okay, we just need to dump all the information on you so we can move on to the next part of it. Um, yeah. Well, if you guys were going to make an originality argument, I would have thought one of you would have said we have another fucking you know typical ghost hunters sort of sequence like that, definitely, and you know quasi seance. Well, we, we we can talk about that later, but like I guess I'd kind of disagree with you there. I agree that there's that there are elements of that that certainly fit into the trope, but I actually found the whole like Geraldine Chaplin like that she does to be sort of a fresh take on the the medium. Yeah, that, I didn't ding it for that, but I mean, I think I could have seen the argument that here we are, you know, once again with the people setting up the cameras and yeah. you know all of that yeah. stuff. I guess like that that's my argument is a is a B minus for this. This movie's strength is not its originality. It's its execution. All right. Well chill factor, um I'm gonna give it a B. I don't find it terribly scary. I think there's a couple of moments that stand out. Those moments definitely pack a punch. I think a B is nothing to be ashamed of. It is a horror movie. I'm not debating whether th- whether it is or not, and in this subgenre, that's a real plus. <laughs> How about you, Vic? I give it a B plus. Again, I find the kid with the bag on his head is not the most original sort of image that you're going to build a horror film around. It's a fucking scary one. Like if you're going to if you're going to borrow something, borrow something really good, and then execute it really well. And I thought that really worked. There's some other scares and stuff that, that, that are good. I find this. It takes a little bit to get going, but I find this to be a very scary film. Yeah, I gave this one an A for Chill Factor. Mm. Um, I felt like this movie was very rattling. The scares are pretty varied. Like, there's not, there's no, there's, I don't think there are any real, like, cheap scares in this film. Like, no. I feel like everything that, everything that's presented to you gets a payoff. You know, maybe with the exception of, like, when the heroine investigates the the sound out in the shed isn't quite a big scare, but it does pay off into into the story. The violence in this movie is chilling, and when this movie decides to get mean, like it yeah. cuts the bone. Like it is not a safe film, and it kind of lures you in with this false sense of safety, especially like early on, like you know, as it, as when you when you're getting to know the the mother and her son, 
and you know and they're telling romantic stories of the lighthouse and the cave and blah 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 and you kind of feel like you are in this idyllic or universe and you don't feel like anything really grisly is going to happen but but by god it does so i thought the chills were good yeah me too i mean i think a b is a good grade i give a lot of these like c's i think this movie has real teeth and that's 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 awesome there there is a somewhat cliche sequence um towards the end of the, the film, or at least like after the midway point that is, yeah, extremely graphic and unsettling and hard to watch. And there's like some fingernail gags in this movie. Like there's a lot of really, um, unflinching stuff, uh, that I think is really effective. So, but I, I do want to say, and this leads me segueing into badass baddies, which I gave an F yes, a fail. The character with the bag on his head, uh, we don't see much of. And basically, you hang your whole hat, and I agree, it's an effective sequence on one scene. No spoilers. I just don't think this movie has a very well-defined antagonist at the end of the day. Um, and there's some good like misdirection about who the antagonist really is. And yeah, we can, we can ultimately decide who it was, but the usage or the role of the antagonist in the film props for being unconventional, but it doesn't really work for me overall. So I don't, I don't think this movie is driven by an antagonist. So I, I can't give it a good grade. I'm sorry. I definitely would push against an F. Like I gave this a B I thought that the – whatever the entity with the bag on its head is, which sort of like transforms over the course of the movie, is pretty legitimately terrifying the first time it shows up, even if it's not a wholly original image. And I would argue that as they bring in the medium and they sort of explore the, the various spirits in the house, they do become more frightening and more menacing. You know, there's a bit where – there's a bit in this movie where the, the movie opens with they're playing this – kind of a hide-and-seek sort of game where you, like, turn your back and, and while one child has its back turned, the other children can move closer to it. Uh, it's kind of like a red light, green light sort of game, right? This gets paid off again later um, when, we're dealing with the, when we're dealing with some characters as ghosts. You don't know at that moment, or at least I didn't know, how vicious those ghosts were going to be when they reached the protagonist. You know, for three quarters of the film, I felt like they were fairly potentially, um, you know, vicious entities. So regardless of where it ends up, it worked for me. Right, right. And uh, without – there's no way to talk about this without getting into spoilers. But I'm going to stand by my grade once you've seen the movie once. We'll leave it at that. Um, How about you, Vic? What's What's your grade on actual antagonists in the film? John, I'm, I'm much more closely aligned to you. I gave it a D. Uh, I, do, you, do you want to explain that at all, or is it too uh, spoilery? I, I don't. I don't okay. want to explain mm-hmm. it. But I, I really respect that, Vic, as someone who loves the movie, that you can acknowledge that, yeah, that's not really the strength of this movie at all. Um, but that's fine. All right, so quality of kills, uh, I'm going to give it a C. And that is generous because there's something in mind that I find absolutely, you know, extremely disturbing, but it does happen off screen. Actually, you know what? I'm going to change that because that's, that's, that's too low. Cause the one on screen is pretty 
it's very cliche, which is why I, I dinged it, but it, it does have an impact. So I'm upgrading that to a B and say no more for now. So Rich, what's your quality of kills grade? I gave that one an A. I'm sure we're talking about the same kill. Yeah. Uh, I that the the way in which it, it carries out is a little bit of a cliche, but I put that it's that the the payoff is an Ari Aster, however, however you say his name, <laughs> director, director of Midsummer. I'm sure has seen this and is a fan. I love that uh, allusion there. All right, Vic. Uh, I gave it a B uh, for essentially all the same reasons. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of effective kills. Uh, at least certainly there's one effective kill and and some other stuff that happens off screen but yeah it's there's definitely there's definitely a threat that hangs over this but you know nobody gets impaled with a with a chainsaw so yeah yeah jason finding innovative ways to murder people with various objects is not the game of the film so i'm giving it an a for directing you know, again, we can we can continue to talk about how this is a genre that is a vehicle for directing talent, and I think this movie is certainly a, a sumptuous exercise. It kind of reminds me of the others in some ways in terms of directing, but this is a movie I I greatly prefer to the others. So it's a it's an easy A for me. How about you, Vic? I also gave it an A. I think Jay Biona is an amazing director. I would also just point out if you like this, you should definitely check out A Monster Calls. It didn't get seen very much, but it's uh, very similar in terms of being a, a moving and, and sort of borderline fairy tale horror story. Uh, but I, I was quite moved by it. I think he's, an, I think he's a terrific director. I understand. He's going to be the showrunner for the Lord of the Rings series, isn't he? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, he's directed two episodes of that already. Wow. Yeah, I definitely respect his his game, and I'm surprised that he hasn't done more that we're aware of. Rich, did you give a directing grade? I did an A- for this. Uh, Not a knock. Uh, I thought it was very well directed. The scavenger hunt, or whatever you want to call it, the the game that they play, um, is just really fun filmmaking. Um, also, I think he does a good job of like keeping the terror at bay until like it's time to pull the trigger. Um, like all the the timing and pacing of this movie is really great. I would just say too, I the game that they play in this. I mean, we all we all talked so much about the hand clapping game in uh, yeah the Conjuring. As I think, just you know, by virtue of how that juxtaposed with the rest of the film. Oh wow, what an exceptional part of that movie that is. This is actually better than that. Yeah. And I think because the rest of the movie is so good, it doesn't stand out as much, but it, it's really played to terrific effect. And the third act instance of it is really one of the scariest parts of the film. This is why I do a podcast with you guys, because you both totally brought up great stuff that I wish I would have said. So totally agreed. Well done. Script for me is a B minus. I can say lots of great things about the script, but that that final resolve of the movie not working is where I have to, to ding it. So that's where I stand. Rich, what's your script grade? I actually gave the script an A. I, I, you know, like I said, I acknowledge the problem that you're bringing up, but there's a lot of exposition happening in this movie, but it's really well paced out with the exception of a couple of pockets. Um, and the, the playground games that we just mentioned, they're not groundbreaking, but they're really well set up and threaded throughout the movie, in a movie that at its core is really all about the theft of childhood. 
And I feel like that theme is strong regardless of the ending. Guys, I, I gave it a B plus and I agree with everything Rich said. I will also note that watching the movie both the first and the second time, I think the open is weak and you later realize what the purpose was, but it doesn't stand on its own two feet. We'll talk about that later, but uh, it's a strange opening sequence that you only get any value out of it um, down the road. Uh, it's a, it's a very odd pre-title sequence in my opinion. So I'm giving it an A plus for acting. This was the most impressive group of actors, including the kid, the main kid, um, of any film that we watched for this show. I was just generally blown away by the acting in this film. So I'm giving it an A plus. Vic? A. Okay. Agreed. Knockout, knockout performances all the way around. Uh, I gave it a B. No. Whoa. Again, no, no shade. Like I, I didn't really care for the father that much. But uh, isn't that writing? Like, isn't that writing as much as acting? Not compared to the to the the mother and son. Maybe maybe it's a writing issue. That's it's, it's worth looking at. I did want to give a a shout out to uh, like you said, Geraldine Chaplin, who I maybe I guess you knew this already, maybe, but I was not aware that she was the daughter of Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, (laughs) the medium. Yeah, Um, and I like like you know we mentioned this earlier. I thought that she had a really good turn with like an interesting interpretation of the the medium trope. Uh, This is more of a scripting thing, but I like the way that she explored the house and and the spirits. Not a big departure, but but still a good one. And then uh, I don't know how you say her name, Belin Ruida. Sure, maybe as the mom. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought she was great, and uh, and uh, and carried the like really carried this movie, like yeah. on shoulders. I mean, she's she's a good nine tenths of my A plus. I mean, she's fucking amazing in this movie. Yeah, she's, sure. a, she's a powerhouse in this movie. I mean, like her energy. Uh, uh, is so strong, like just especially like the the middle of it, like the second act, just carrying through like the investigation of it is really a really compelling watch. Yeah, agreed. Okay, well, uh, judge's choice for me is uh, sackcloth foo <laughs> in a story that has weird parallels narratively to early Friday the Thirteenth movies. We get the best baghead since Teenage Jason in part two, and I do think it works and it's effective. So that's the, obviously the standout for me. I'm giving this one jaw foo. Yeah. yeah. Very I, unflinching special effects. Rich, I, I that was very close to my choice, so I'm totally on board. Vic? Uh, I'm giving this a very special A. Among all the movies we watched, this is the only one that made me cry. I literally watched this with Emily, my wife, and, you know, I sort of convinced her to watch it by saying, it's okay, like, I swear to God, like, it has it has kind of a happy ending. And then we got to the ending, and Emily was sobbing. And she was like, why did you tell me this had a happy ending? Well, it does, it does, whether you like well, it or again, not, yeah. Sort of, sort of depends. Sort of depends on how you would construe a happy ending. Uh, she, she would not agree with you. 
John. But but that's maybe that's where we're on the same page because we saw yeah. the rest of the fucking movie and we don't like that you just tack on a, a happy ending. Well, I, I'm not sure that would be her take on it. The point is, I'm just saying, from just a sheer emotional impact, I don't think there's another movie that's had the the effect or the impact that this has. I, as a non-parent, but thinking about parents, like <laughs> your experience. Yeah, this movie has to be fucking devastating. I mean, it, it is incredibly cruel in that regard. It's unflinchingly harsh. And, yeah, that that's very powerful. But then they totally mitigate it. So, eh, what yeah. do I know? I, I hope that we'll get to discuss it down the line. I am eager. To, to be totally honest, there are actually there are elements of the story that I didn't even piece together until this conversation. So, I, I look forward to exploring everything later this is in the no doubt about it the top five of movies that i want to delve more deeply into in this entire tournament a lot of these i'm like kind of oh my god we're really gonna watch this again like i don't even know if i want to go scene by scene through this film you're you're goddamn right you're gonna go scene by scene through paranormal activity three john (laughs) Just, just, just just accept it you put it on the roster. Yeah, yeah. I, that was my that was my mistake. <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm still upset about that. By the way, all right. Its opponent is sadly outgunned, but this is a wonderful movie, and we're talking about 1985 House, not Houseu, but this is the William Cat classic. I really wanted to see House and House Who go head to head. I know. I wish we had somehow found a way to do that. There, there's there's a number of ways in which they are fitting opponents for each other. <laughs> actually, I sort of point out. I'm sure we'll get into this. There's a number of ways in which House might be the most relevant movie to this podcast, insofar as it is from the director of. Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 3, and my personal favorite, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Um, Steve Miner, of course. The great Steve Miner, uh, who's also done television series like The Wonder Years, Dawson's Creek, Smallville. I personally have a soft place in my heart for uh, Lake Placid. Sure. So I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. And so, of course, of course, House is on here. This movie is weirdly analogous to The Orphanage, though, because we have a missing child under supernatural pretenses. So it is actually a pretty good pairing with The Orphanage. This movie um, goes in very many different directions than The Orphanage. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Stylistically, thematically, uh, (laughs) in every way in terms of special effects. But, uh, but I, I did find it humorous that, you know, coincidentally, I certainly didn't plan this. The fulcrum of both of these films is a parent searching for a son who disappeared under completely inexplicable circumstances. Like these are actually the most similar two films that I can think of, uh, in terms of what's driving the protagonist in our entire tournament. So I also cried several times watching House. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of overlap. <laughs> Indeed. 
Indeed. Yeah, I have a real affinity for this film. Uh, It could be argued nostalgia is a factor. Uh, It is a complete classic 80s movie in every sense of the word. I said 85 before, it's 86. Apologize for that. I'm going to give it a B for overall quality uh, because it knows exactly what it is. it's, It's not a movie that has an identity crisis. This is a classic horror comedy and very few films toe that line effectively. I think this movie does that. I think we'll get to it, but I think the script is quite adept at balancing scares and humor. And I, I just dig the movie. So I'm giving it a B. That's, that's where I stand. I struggled with this because this is one of those movies that I loved as a kid and had seen a dozen times. And so revisiting it for this, there were images like there were, there were things that I could recall with crystal clear clarity, uh, but watching it again, it just didn't play as well. I gave it a C for my overall quality. Heartbreaking rich. Yeah. So I will preface this with, I do really like this movie and I also have have like childhood memories that I associate with it. Um, and I really enjoyed my viewing of it this time, but I gave it a C plus for overall quality. All right. So quality just isn't what this movie is aiming for. (laughs) Totally, totally fair, Rich. That might be, that might be spot on. So we got a B, we got a C plus and we got a C. Okay. Uh, well, to the surprise of no one, I'm giving it an A for originality. <laughs> I give everything an A for originality except, like, really, you know, stock stuff. But I think this one truly deserves the A because this is a Fred Decker screenwriter special. It is it is a batshit nuts cocktail. And if you one of you guys, if one of you motherfuckers gives it a low grade for that, I just, I don't respect your grades anymore (laughs) because (laughs) say what you want. You could give this movie an F for overall quality. There is no movie like this out there. So I stand on the strength of the A for originality, but tell me I'm wrong. I also gave this an A for originality. Um, There are 32 movies on this list and we talked about many more and none of them are movies about the survivor's remorse of Vietnam veterans (laughs) and failed parents as told through the lens of a cornball version of the changeling. Like this thing is, is really all over the map. It's like, it's not like anything I've ever seen. I feel like they made some sequels that even tried to replicate what this movie is. And those sequels failed. This movie is, uh, is definitely unique. I gave it a B plus for originality. I actually, I also have seen house two like 50 times when I was a kid. I'm now a little scared to go back and rewatch it. It's weird that my fondant, like the thing that I latch onto is Bill Maher as the lead, the lead character's best friend. And I just, I, I, I think that's all going to come crashing down if I go and watch it again. So, but no, it's, I, I agree on everything. There's not another movie in this tournament like House. Not even How Sue, which I also gave an A for originality too. Not even How Sue, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are those are probably the two most original movies in the entire tournament. Uh, ironically, considering their titles, but uh, mm-hmm. they're untethered by a pursuit for quality. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, that th- that's not their number one concern. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely weird ducks and I have an affinity for that type of film. So, however, on the downside, chill factor uh is our next category and I'm giving this movie a D. Uh yeah, it did scare me when I was a little kid uh to a degree. But uh in the sober light of dawn or whenever you guys watch this movie. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not genuinely scary by in any way, shape or form. So I can't give it a better grade than that. I bumped it up a little bit. I gave it a C. I agree that it's all cheese, but I also thought it was worth noting that I would watch this version of crossing over to the other side a thousand times before I'd watch the insidious version of crossing over to the other side. So it gets points there. Fair enough. Vic? I mean, I guess that's true insofar as crossing over is like landing in Vietnam, but <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that would, that would be slightly more chilling. So yeah, I, I also gave it a D that's not, that's not what this movie's about. It's not about it's not about quality and it's not about scary. <laughs> Why do we like this again? <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah, th- this movie that that's part of its charm is that it doesn't doesn't play by the normal rule book for for horror films. Uh which brings us to badass baddies and I will give it a C because the undead Richard Mall is a pretty cool looking fucking zombie. Like I do dig his design. His, I, I think it's, yeah, is it can be somebody good designed his, his makeup. It's effective. And I like his digitally altered voice or however they did it. I guess that's pre-digital in any event. Like, I think that there's a, there's enough of a weight put behind this this character, the, the the main antagonist of the film, that even as non scary, traditionally speaking, as the film is, I think he's a he's a solid, at least average antagonist. So I'm landing on a C. It could be a little better, actually. I wouldn't argue. So, Rich, what's your grade on on that one? I went with a B minus. Um, I really love. I feel the same way about the she beast. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, the pops up in the center of this thing. Um, that's a monster and just like a, a creature design that, that stuck with me for a long time. I really love like the, like the, the, the Harryhausen style stop motion, um, creatures that pop up in this thing. Everything is, is, uh, is practical in this movie. Um, and I know that like we try to, to, you know, to unmoor things from their, from the time that they were made, um, but I think it's worth noting that this came out around the same time as like Poltergeist and this was very practical and Poltergeist was more trying to be on like the cutting edge of, um, of, you know, what you could do with like superimposing at the, at the time. And I personally find this to be a more, um, compelling version of, of monsters, like say what you will about the, the cheesiness of them. Like they, it feels like he's really in a fist fight or really in a physical battle with these creatures. Um, So that makes them compelling, you know, monsters for a monster movie. I gave the antagonist actually a B. I think there's a, there's a great weird 
Lovecraftian vibe that flows through this that I found really uh, kind of cool. So, I, and I feel like that that sort of informs my childhood love for this film. One of my one of my favorite bits of rewatching this film was that I had paused it for some reason when there there's a scene where William Cat is in his backyard and some woman in like a thong bathing suit. Yeah, yeah. Back so I guess I had paused on that scene and then um, I was watching it by myself and then like Wendy come into the room later and like turn the Apple TV on. It was like, are you watching porn? Like, <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> I feel like I had zero argument I was like I cannot I can't explain what this movie is <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm watching I, porn I know exactly what you're talking about yeah the, the, the bizarre neighbor character and her little boy that she pawns off on him to babysit I uh-huh. love I love that whole subplot uh and, and by the way, he has zero interest in her whatsoever. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's all the character stuff is very weird. And I, I only say this cause like, I, I don't think we'll get into this stuff, but sadly, yeah, there's like a weird thing. It's like, cause doesn't he effectively, he murders his girlfriend, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But like, he kind of just like has to, like he just, he seems more inconvenienced by disposing of the body than anything else. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the script is very clever, always putting characters in these very tense, well, him, obviously, the protagonist, in these very tense situations where he seems crazy, but the reality of what's happening motivates what he's doing. Well, and he's a Vietnam vet. Well, yeah, I mean, that just, like, throws a, another whole layer into it. Like, he really does have PTSD on top of it. When I say Lovecraftian, what I what I mean really what leaps out to me is there's a scene when William Cat breaks the mirror in, in his bathroom, which inexplicably leads into the 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 void and it, the, the Stygian depths is what occurred to me, which totally reminded me of a scene from In the Mouth of Madness. There's a scene where Sam Neill finds himself confronted almost with exactly the same image where he's staring into these, again, Stygian depths. There's no other way to describe anything in a Lovecraft story. And the the creature in the closet, I think, is very Lovecraftian. And I, there's, there's just something, there's something inexplicable about everything that's happening in the house that, that it defies explanation gleefully in a way that I think Lovecraft would have appreciated. Wow, way to make a case for it, Vic. Yeah, I, I can see your point there. Uh, did you give a quality of kills grade, though? I did. My quality of kills is a B. I mean, there's a there's a fair bit of dismembering in this, even if we don't get to see it. Uh, the the actually the opening death. I'm not. I, I suppose technically it's a kill. I actually found that to be one of the scariest scenes in the movie, and we get to see it recreated a bit later on. Could it involve a hanging by any chance? <laughs> it might. It might involve a hanging. Uh, so yeah, it's, I, I just, I, I don't know. I found, I found the, the kills are fun. It's, which is not something you get to say very often, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid B. By the way, I don't think anyone brought it up, but the innkeepers is another one to involve that particular death. Uh, there you go. 
I gave Quality of Kills a B minus. This is a tiny bit of a detour, but as you were talking about antagonists, I also just I have to wonder what Sam Raimi thinks of this film. I, uh, there's a lot of elements of it that, that give me a uh, Evil Dead kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, and I could sure. see that movie having taken some inspiration from this. Well, that movie was definitely before this, uh, so it's, it's it could have been an influence because uh, shot in '79, came out in '81. 100%. Yeah, so it's a D for me. Uh, directing is a B. Uh, I really generally, you know, like the the vibe of this film. I can't give it an A, um, but, you know, the camera moves briskly. Uh, actors are solid. Like, a lot of sequences are extremely contingent on execution, somewhat complicated little set piece sequences that I think are orchestrated well. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, Steve Miner's masterpiece, but I think it's definitely a well-directed film. It's no Halloween H2O, John. I think that's the, that's the sentence you're looking for. It's better than that piece of shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rich, what's your directing grade? Yeah, B minus on this one. Um, not a bad thing. I actually think he did a really decent job of like balancing a pretty unique tone. Obviously, it's an odd movie, but it does have its own like screwy vision that it sticks to throughout. Um, I, I will say that the depiction of Vietnam is not particularly convincing. No. So I'll take off some points for that. But um, otherwise, I'd say that he knew what he was. He knew what he wanted to make. Yeah, by the way, if anything has ever looked like a, a soundstage, it's the Vietnam in this movie. Vic, what's yeah. your grade? I give it a C for largely the same reasons. It's it's workmanlike. It's effective. I agree. He knew what he was doing. Uh, what he was doing was making a B movie, and he made it very well. That's a, that's a C. All right. Well, I'm going to give it an A- minus for script because of just the sort of bonkers originality of, of the film and the fact that it is really more to a fundamentally sound character driven structure where it's impossible not to understand and relate to Roger Cobb's quest. And at the same time, it takes such unpredictable turns that um, I'm impressed by that. And, and again, just like the, the construction of suspenseful sequences, even like when there's two cops that one of them needs to use the bathroom in his house and they still milk suspense out of that and, and comedic uh, value. I I think that it's a underrated script. This is, we're definitely dealing with a very professional writer who knows how to make scenes pop and, keep the audience engaged and entertained. So on the surface, it doesn't seem like this movie should be get that kind of level, but I, I really just respect the basic craft uh, of the film script. So what's your grade, uh, Vic? I gave it a C. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) I, I agree that I think my two favorite scenes are the scenes when the, the scene when the cop has to use the bathroom and the scene when, uh, the scene when he's trying to explain to George Went that he's got a, a raccoon in the closet. <laughs> and it's this long, drawn-out thing of like, all right, just so we're all in sync, 
I'm going to open it right at midnight, okay? When I do, you blast him right between the eyes. It's magnificent. It's such a it's such a great scene. Yes. But I, I mean, the fact that our main character is going through a divorce and lost a son and has writer's block, like, it just, it felt like, I don't know, it, it, it was like a, a barrage of tropes to make you sympathize with him that that sort of overwhelmed me it does what it needs to do it's a fun movie it it sort of worked in the things it needs to work in but yeah it's a scene is this movie like a parody of something else like all those elements that you mentioned is it in some ways a parody of of 80s movies and character attributes at that time I'm, i'm not sure no, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think there's some very time-honored kind of clichés to the to the the plot, but I mean, I think Fred Decker, the 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 main writer, it's he, he co-wrote this, but you know, of course he's best known for Night of the Creeps and and The Monster Squad, uh which he co-wrote with Shane Black. Like I think that this guy he just he has a fucking game, you know? Like I think he has sort of a a cool perspective and an ability to put together, you know, familiar elements in a, in a way that is, is sort of unique to his voice. So I I stand by my grade. I think this is a a well-written script and, you know, fuck you, Vic. It's a C. It's a C. Okay. (laughs) It's a C. I gave it a B. It was a, I thought it was sort of an, an endlessly inventive version of, of this movie. This, this movie easily, easily could have been straight to VHS, never to be remembered garbage. And yet somehow the three of us are still sitting here talking about it. Yep. Some what, almost 40 years later. So there's something to be said for it. It had to, it had a spark or something. And that's I would a, watch, I would watch this on a double feature with Chud. <laughs> Vic, I'll do that right now. If you want to come over. <laughs> You guys are neighbors. I think that a great segue to acting, because like I have generally tonight, and often given movies great acting grades, I think this is a C in acting. Like the acting is not a strength of this film in any way. Um, the C, and I and I like Richard Mall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I, I think he he's probably the the best performance in this film because he i take him seriously but like i I, to me that only gives the script uh, a higher grade because like we're not none of this nothing that works is really just kind of in the hands of the the nuanced performances selling bad dialogue or something you know like uh, nobody's doing the the characters as written any favors in their performances in this film. And yes, that goes for William Cat as well, unfortunately. I actually gave it a B on the strength of Richard Mall, who we should point out was Bull on Night Court, which I did not put together when I was a kid and watched this. Um, so that was that was a revelation for me. And also George Went, who I really enjoyed in this. Oh yeah. He I yes, duly noted. I really like George Wentz performance in this. He's, he's the standout of the, uh, human characters, the living characters, <laughs> because like his sort of bemused, starstruck loser 
but yet elements of crazy neighbor, all the like weird elements into his, his character. I think they're, it's really winning. And, and yet, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not one dimensional, you know, like there's, he, he's a, he's an interesting guy in his like weird mix of being really sort of naive and there's something wrong with this guy. I, I love that. He's, he's great. Reminded me of the neighbor in the burbs, which I think would also make an interesting double feature with this. Indeed. Okay. So judge's choice. Rich has mentioned this in the past and my mind came back to it. It's a uh, rubber foo. <laughs> I, I love all of the, practical effects and artificial, obviously phony, but just the monsters and creatures of this, of this movie are really charming is a word I keep using. I just really like the sort of old fashioned, but visceral design of, of this movie's uh, effects. And I, I just, it worked when I was a kid and watching it again, maybe it works on somewhat different levels, but I still really like it. So that's what I'm going with. How about yeah. you? In, endearing is the, is the word that came to mind for me. They, they don't, they don't, they don't elicit much fear, but they are endearing. I give it an, an A for Lovecraftian vibes and eighties cheese charm. There's that word again. Um, but John, I'm just wondering, I felt like the ending of this film, and, and I don't think I'm really giving anything away here, uh, the ending of this film had one of those tropes that you have talked about hating in the, like, you don't have any power to hurt me. Oh, yeah. I hate that, yeah. Sort of thing. And and so I wanted to, because I, I noticed that and because we've been talking about it, I was really aware of it, and so I'm going to drop just a just a an F on that. But uh, it gets an A for for Lovecraft and uh, uh, '80s cheese charm. Vic, thank you for calling me on my own, you know, sensibilities. And you're 100% right. I hated that, and I shouldn't give it an A minus as a script because that it's it's doing that fucking it, you know, the movie it. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing, that shtick that I fucking hate. But, like, just this movie, I don't judge it on, oh, well, you know, what's the quality of the Act 3 climax? Because this movie is a fucking lark. So, yeah, yeah that's that's how I justify that. But very point well taken. I gave this a judge's choice for of, uh, of D for Ding Dong, You're Dead. <laughs> yes, we mentioned this in the selection phase, but it bears repeating. I don't feel like you can separate this movie, if you were a fan at the time, from the poster which featured a disembodied hand um, poking a doorbell and the tagline, Ding Dong, You're Dead. It really sums up the experience of renting low-grade horror from a video store um, <laughs> for anyone who remembers that or just wants to know what it was like to remember that. Um, the movie really captures that vibe. Can you imagine not having that experience? Wow. Yeah. What it would be to be young. Okay. So <laughs> let's vote on this, uh, this little matchup. I don't think this is going to be controversial, but, uh, let's start with, I'll kick it off because I'm, I'm a house champion. I'm still going with the orphanage. And we know where Vic stands. So, uh, Rich, what's your vote? 
I have to agree. I'm going to go with the orphanage. It, it, it pains me to say it as, as house is definitely a sentimental favorite, but the orphanage is, is a new favorite. So I'm excited about talking about it. Vic, why don't you uh, do a little victory lap and bask in your fucking glory, you son of a bitch? I'm going to vote for House just to spite you, motherfuckers. <laughs> How about that? God damn you. No, even, upset yeah. week. E- even when you win, you have to be annoying about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the energy that makes this work, John. <laughs> I'll just say, yes, the orphanage, I have issues with it, but uh, there's so much to sink your teeth into here. And I think that that's um, one of the movies that I'm most intrigued by in our field. So props to that. And uh, I guess that's our evening, gentlemen. Uh, This has been a blast. And uh, we've just concluded the witching hour. Uh, We're moving into the 1 a.m. zone, and uh, I I bid you all a good night. Any final thoughts, Vic? Nice and and tight and succinct, guys. We we trimmed it down to six movies instead of ten, and, and boy, it just made no difference. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I think we all learned the valuable lesson tonight, Vic. That's don't don't try. Trying is just the first step towards failure, Fred. <laughs> well, I will uh, tease our next episode in that, like, every pairing are evenly matched films. So, like, this is this could be the most interesting part of our bracket as we conclude the first round of March Mad Men. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We look forward to our next episode. Hope you do, too. And uh, reach out to us on social media via our Facebook group and let us know uh, what your thoughts are on our choices and what we should do next. For Vic and for Rich, I'm John Evans. Adios. Farewell. (laughs) Abiento. Nice. Nice. (laughs) 